We're living in the age of podcasting, which also means the age of podcast networks with large back catalogs, long-running series, limited programming, and even cross-network collaborations. How are publishers supposed to keep this all organized? With Spreaker, of course. Spreaker's customizable publisher plan lets you organize your content exactly how you want it and gives you enough pod tech tools to monetize the largest back catalogs. If you're into premium offerings for subscribers, check out Spreaker's customized RSS feeds to upload and schedule exclusive content with ease. Or use our campaign manager to manage different campaigns from one central platform. Once your podcast business gets big enough, you can even add multiple networks to one account and collaborators assigned to each one. That helps keep the true crime series away from the comedy podcasts and make sure you get the advertisements that will resonate the most with your listeners. So let's move from the age of podcasting to the age of the podcast network with Spreaker. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Welcome to the Porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, examining the Word of God, especially the book of Acts Church. We've been looking at them for a little while. We're going to continue to do that and follow their example. The Porch Online Bible Study has been here to take a deeper look at how they serve the Lord. And that way we can restore the priesthood of the believer and the world-shaking influence that they had. And we do that by digging deeper into Scripture. We don't water it down. We don't filter it. We follow the red-letter basics. And in doing so, I believe that we are finding the church the Lord intended and not the one that man-made tradition created. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire still falls. Porch is an outreach, Solomon's Porch. You can go to onsolomonsporch.org to contact us, or you can go to firefalltalkradio.com. Use the contact button. There are also ways to support us there. And thank you to everyone that does support us and helps to defray the cost to put these things online. Make sure you subscribe to the Spreaker app, and you'll know when we are broadcasting or when a new show has been posted. We're two and a half months away from our meeting in Orlando, Saturday, July 27th. I'm excited. I don't know about you. Friday, you can come in, get your room if you're staying overnight. We've got a great rate, $79 plus tax per night on International Drive, right in the middle of everything. Restaurants, uh, putt-putt golf, if you want to take the kids somewhere. They have a free shuttle to Universal. If you've been looking for an excuse to come to Orlando, Florida. What better excuse is there to come spend a day with me? All day Saturday, well, actually not all day. You'll have the morning. You can go do some things. The doors will open at 1, but at 2 o'clock, we're going to start our first session from 2 to 5, take a dinner break, and then from 7 to 10. And of course, at any time I speak, teach, or go anywhere, if you've ever been with me, we end it in prayer and letting the Holy Spirit have his way. We are, our meeting is in the Magnolia Room at the Rosen Inn Point, Orlando, 9000 International Drive. That's Orlando, Florida, 32819. Call them at 800-999-8585. Tell them you are attending the C-Conference with Firefall Media Group, and the booking ID is 68136. The cutoff date for getting that rate is July 5th, and I will tell you right now, even if you're even considering coming, get this rate now, because During that peak period, that rate doubles, even triples, depending upon where you book it. And let us know you're coming. Go to Firefall Media Group, Facebook.com, Firefall Media Group, or go to one of the aforementioned sites, contact us, say, I'm going to be there, save me a seat. I'm praying that everyone who's supposed to be there attends. I really feel like this is the preparation for something that's coming 
something that's about to happen, and you need to be spiritually prepared. Your eyes need to be opened so that you'll know what to do. And we're also praying for sponsorship to help some people get there. A couple of different families need to be there, and we're working to do that as well. Urgent prayer requests from Africa. A pastor and 16 church members were kidnapped in Nigeria. Those 17 believers were kidnapped from their church. They were having a choir practice with different communities in the area. And the pastor, his daughter, and nine other women were kidnapped as shooters surrounded the church and just started firing. The Christian Association of Nigeria has reported that the kidnappers are demanding um, $30 million of their money, which is $83,100 U.S. dollars for ransom. This is ongoing, increasing in Nigeria. Please pray for them. One of the Open Doors field workers, this is where I got it from, said, this has brought fear to the believers around the area and also tears, tears to the family. Please, they need the prayers of believers. You know, if you want a picture of what's going on there and why I talk about this and why I'm trying to get you prepared even to become a prayer warrior in West African countries and sub-Saharan Africa, believers are being held with their feet to the fire literally to deny Jesus, to deny Yeshua as their Messiah, and to accept the Muslim faith. These are Muslim terrorists. Let's call them what they are. And 1.2 billion people in the second largest continent in the world, thousands of ethnic groups, 54 recognized, recognized countries are being persecuted. West Africa, East Africa, North Africa, and Central Africa. Daily reports of Islamic terrorist extremists and even governments becoming hostile to believers in Jesus. I mean, they're being threatened by their families, they're being cast out by their communities, and they're being killed. And normally I don't start the the scripture stuff this early, but this is what came to mind today as I pasted that in to read to you. Revelation 6, starting in verse 9, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer, until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be killed as they were, was completed. And then in Revelation 12.11, it says, in speaking of the dragon, speaking of Hasatan, Satan, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. This is why we do this. This is why I spend this time every week with you, and I spend the time to work on these things, and I'm spending the time with you in July because this is what is going on in the world, and sooner or later it will reach us here. So I praise them. I praise them for this home that I have, for all this technology, the ability to meet with you and speak to you. I praise them for my wife. Let's face it. Being married to me is not easy on many levels. You just never know what's going to show up in the night. You also never know when an angel is going to show up. Some other things tend to do so as well. So she deserves praise and blessings for being with me throughout all of this. I praise him for my family, my sons, my daughter-in-laws, our, our grandson, that blessed treasure that he is, for our furry kids, for everything that we have. I praise him for his protection over us. Even though the threat of the enemy is there, even though those things can happen, I know who my daddy is. I know that I am blessed. I am protected. I am covered. I am not afraid. Praise him for letting me work his ministry for him, for the dreams and the visions and everything he's been sharing with me, especially of late. I praise him for his healing virtues. I praise him just to be able to praise him out loud. Nobody's going to shut this guy up. The rocks will never out-praise me. I praise him for being a new creation and living 
in these end times, in these prophetic times, and I praise him for America. Yes, there's trouble. Yes, there's trouble on the horizon. But as long as that red, white, and blue waves, we can praise him and we can stand boldly and do so. I praise him for the sign that he's getting ready to return. And boy, am I ready for that. Maranatha, Lord, come, come, Lord Jesus. So let's get ready. Praise him for his favor and revelation. Praise him for how much he loves us and how much he's done for us. So we need to pray. We need to pray for the Middle East, for Israel, for the peace of Jerusalem, which, of course, only means not a peace deal, but for the prince of peace to return. I pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents in and out of the womb, the victims of injustice, for our brothers and sisters around the world, like those in Africa that are being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. And let me just stop here. As I read that article and I began to pray, I just began to say this, Lord, I'm so sick of Satan and the fallen angels. I'm so sick of their demonic offspring. Please empower us. Please inspire us. So, Lord, we pray for them. We pray for the persecution, the anti-Semitism, and, and, and just the ugliness of this world. So we need divine wholeness, health, and healing. We need to get back to our divine design. I don't know what you're going through. He does. I know what I'm going through and what those close to me are. But right now, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, King of kings, Lord of lords, if my voice is hitting your ears or hitting your body, I speak to your cells, I speak to you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, and I say, go back to your divine design. Let every curse be broken. Let everything that's been done to you, natural and supernatural, all the way back through four generations, be broken. And I pray that we would become what he needs us to be in this time. I pray for that protection, that Psalm 91 covering, the inspiration, that fire-filled inspiration. I pray for the remnant to wake up, to rise up. I pray for them to show up that Saturday, July 27th in here in Orlando and answer the call to action. If you've been blessed, then be a blessing. I think it's great that you can travel here and travel there and go skiing and go to all these places. That's fine. Enjoy what God's done with you and through you. But brothers and sisters, if you've been blessed, then it's time to be a blessing. An army needs provision, and this army needs provision. Let's be blessed and prosper in accordance to his word and that the conduits of his blessings are open, and SRT hits the road, and Firefall does what it's called to do, and, and the porch does what it's called to do, and we become the resistance against the enemy. Continue to pray for my wife, Deb, here in Orlando, a healing and restoration. I pray for Larry's wife, Sally, as she recovers from the knee replacement surgery for healing and relief of the pain. I'm asking for prayer for Pam in New Hampshire. It's a family that SRT helped in the past that's had some new activity and new attacks in their, ho in their home. I'm a little fired up right now. Let me see if I can dial it back a little bit to talk. Um, they need some intercessory prayer from the Porch family. I've reached out to, to some people, but remember Pam and her husband Tim in New Hampshire. They need some prayer. Stacy in Texas is thankful it's the last day is two days of school. Um, please pray for us. We're almost there. Thank the Lord. And I'm thanking I'm thinking, boy folks, it's gonna be tough. It's, this one's gonna be tough. I'm ready to just take off in a heavenly language here and you won't hear me speak in English again. I am thank I'm thinking <laughs> of everyone and praying for the conference this summer. Kim in Fort Mitchell says, the whole ball is well. It's 95 degrees here today in the last day of school. I praise him for another school year to be over and that my children finished safely, which is not to be taken for granted these days. Praise him for saving my soul and waking me up sober every day for the past two and one half years and the healing that came with us. I praise him for loving me, protecting me and my children. Father, please continue to protect the porch families as well as my own. Strange things have been happening lately. It seems like the enemy always checks in after a while to see how strong my faith is and to rub my old mistakes in my face. Hey, Kim, the next time the enemy shows up to remind you of your mistakes, just remind him 
that that Kim doesn't exist anymore and you don't know who he's talking about. It says, I'm praying for deliverance over me and my children, protection over my family, protection over her dog Bruno and their possessions, a healing body, mind, and spirit. Um, she added a, an afterthought, said I could edit it, but I won't, about the abortion madness going on. Everyone has a personal story to add, and it's out of control. People are so wrapped up in individual circumstances that they're blindsided. The confusion created by the enemy distracts from the facts of the matter, that I don't care how you twist this and turn this. It's murder. It's wrong, and it's immoral. Lastly, and most importantly, let's get people saved and healed. Let's get families delivered, generational curses broken, so that abortion wouldn't even be an option. Please provide, Father. Bless us and favor us in Jesus' name. Father, you've heard this. I know you have. Lord, I know you've been listening. And not just because of the generic, you're always listening. I know when you're listening, I can feel your eyes on me. I'm praising you right now, Lord, for the love and the effort it took to let them beat you, scourge you, whip you, tear you to the bone, rip your beard out, drive those thorns into your skull, and then nail you to a wooden cross until you bled every drop of blood. I will never forget what you've done for us. But I am so thankful you're alive. I'm so thankful that tomb is empty. I'm so thankful that you sent the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh that proceeds from our Abba Father to walk with us and to guide us and to speak to us and encourage us. So, Father, we love you and we thank you. We are your children. You are Abba Father, Papa, God, Daddy. There's none like you. You are the great God over all the earth. You are El Elyon, God most high, and there is none other. And Holy Spirit, I praise the fact that he sent you to us, that you are walking with us and encouraging us and empowering us and influencing us when we let you. We submit to you right now, Holy Spirit, have your way with us, have your way with this time here on the porch. Touch the words, touch the scriptures, break chains, open hearts, clear eyes, do whatever you need to do this night here on the porch. In Yeshua's name, I pray this. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So we've been talking about the Holy Spirit for a while now. And in case you didn't know it, Pentecost weekend, both for the Shavuot, for the Jew, and for the church is the weekend of June 9th. We're almost there. But we're living Pentecost. We're living the upper room. We're living the fire still falling. And that's why we've been talking about it. That's why the enemy wants to stop this. Because he knows that the fullness of the Holy Spirit's presence in our life, the manifestation of the gifts and the fruit, in our bodies, in our lives, in our minds, in our hands, in our voices, is a detriment to his kingdom. So he's done everything in his limited power to stifle it, to silence it, to shut it down. Because without it, the church is a dead body with parts decomposing and dying. It's a zombie church which stumbles around and does nothing. But the Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, the Ruach HaKodesh brings life. 
the enemy wants death. The Holy Spirit of God brings light and illumination. The spirit, the enemy wants darkness. The enemy is out for blood, and we are marked and empowered by his blood. That's the war of the spirit we're in. It's a fight for blood. So how do we stay alive? How do we stay fired up? Well, I'm going to take you to an interesting place in Scripture. So open your Bibles, whether it's the printed form or digital or however you do it. But let's go to James chapter 2. Interesting place to start talking about being fired up. James chapter 2, starting verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give them, you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others do good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds, by what I do. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demon believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish, can't you see that faith without good deeds? And I'm replacing the word works with good deeds is useless. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as scriptures say, Abraham believed God. And God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. And I will explain that. Don't jump on that. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers, those spies, and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath so also is faith dead without good works, without good deeds, without action. A heart pumps, blood goes through the body. The church needs to come alive. So who is James? Why should we be, why should we be listening to him? Well, according to the Holman Bible Dictionary and other sources, James is the brother of Yeshua. He's the brother of Jesus. And there, you know, people debate, well, the meaning of the Lord's brother could mean a lot of things. could mean little brother, stepbrother, cousin, intimate friend, or associate. No, no, no. Most theologians hold to the fact it's the literal meaning. That is his brother. Mary and Joseph had other children. How do I know that? Scripture tells me so. Matthew thirteen fifty five. When the people were looking at what Yeshua was saying and doing, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? John chapter 7, verse 3 and 5, his brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. During the Lord's ministry, the brothers of Jesus are mentioned in Matthew 13, Mark 6, 1 Corinthians 9. They originally were not believers, but they came to be. Paul mentions specifically a resurrection appearance by Yeshua, by Jesus, to James in 1 Corinthians 15, 7. After that, he was seen by James and then by all of the apostles. It would make sense. He would go see his brother first. After the resurrection and ascension, the brothers are said to have been with the twelve and the other believers in Jerusalem, Acts 1, 14. And these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Paul mentions him in Galatians 1.19 when he says, this is three years after his 
wilderness experience after the scales fell off of his eyes. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. And the only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. James would assume the leadership of the Jerusalem church as Peter began to travel about and evangelize. So he, James, was the leader of the Jewish church, the Jerusalem church. Paul was the leader of the Gentile church. And he presided as the spokesman for the Jerusalem church at that council, at that Jerusalem council. Paul mentions it in Galatians 2.9. And when James, Cephas, which is Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised, meaning the Jews. He would probably be considered the first Messianic Jew, although there were others, but he was the one who kept the Jewishness of Yeshua within the church. And while Paul went to the Gentile church and did include that, eventually that would get filtered out. And after the Council of Nicaea, it became um, completely taken out. I had to guard my words there. He's believed to have died in 66 A.D., either by the order of the high priest Ananus or by stoning, according to Flavius Josephus, the Jewish historian, or he was possibly, some believe, being thrown off the temple tower by um, third-century Christian historian Eusebius. I would probably lean towards the Flavius Josephus, but anyway, James knew that his faith in his brother Yeshua as Messiah required actions, not just belief. You see, here's what I see in his writings and what I see in the book of Acts Church and what I see in the writing of the apostles. Love demands that we do something about that love. You see, the Lord's sacrifice and his ascension inspired men and women to get fired up in their faith. Faith without action, faith without doing something is dead. It has no value. And works done without that kind of faith have no value. Neither is complete in itself. A fire needs fuel to burn. And fuel won't burn without that fire. They must work together. Fire needs some sort of combustible agent and an accelerator. So we can say, hey, I believe in God. That's enough. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. See, Israel, that's Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5, Israel had to be commanded to love God. It did not come naturally. And why is that? The fallen nature of our flesh is closer to the devil than you would think or want to admit than it is to God. That's why he says in verse 19, James says, You have faith, for you believe there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this. It's going to take a little more. The demons know there is one God. They know who Jesus of Nazareth is. They know that he's the one who spoke their fathers into existence. They know that. The fallen angels know who he is. They were there. They don't love him. They don't obey him. So just because they believe he exists means nothing. It takes love, it takes submission, it takes obedience. Otherwise, it's hatred and rebellion and disobedience. That's what the kingdom of darkness offers. So believing in God is good, but it's not the accelerator of our faith. You know what it is? The love that comes from salvation. That's what makes the fire burn. 
Romans 3.28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith. And that justification he's talking about is salvation. Justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. You can't do something to be justified. Your works, if you are not born again, and you stand before the living God, you stand before the white throne of judgment, and you try to lay out your case for all the good things you've done, if you failed in one aspect of the law, you have failed in all of it and you are condemned. How do you escape that? By having your name written in the Lamb's book of life. You are not judged by the law. See, Paul wrote what he wrote to the Romans because they were going back to placing their faith in the law of Moses. Isn't it interesting? We see this today in in rampant numbers. People go from being Christians, to being Messianic, then they become Jews, and then they're lost. It was going on back then. People were being seduced back into the law of Moses, putting their trust in their own good works, not putting it in God, and their faith and their works were not working together. True faith and righteous, holy works go hand in hand. When you're inspired, when the Spirit's in you, when His love is in you, you're going to do something about it. That's him working through us. Faith that Jesus is the Son of the living God, born of the Virgin, died on the cross for your sins, rose from the grave, sits at the right hand of the Father, and is coming again to judge the living and the dead. Faith in that brings you salvation. The mouth confesses, the heart believes, boom, you're born again. See, James believed it, believed it, and Paul believed it, but they were showing it from two def- different ends of the pendulum swing. And what do we find in the middle? That the two must work together. That's what stirs the fire. If you've ever gone camping or gone to a bonfire or been anywhere, maybe you have one of those pits outside your house. You have to stir it every now and then. The ashes will smother the flame. You have to feed it. You have to put more wood in there. There has to be constant action. It doesn't just burn by itself all night long. Genuine faith will produce genuine action, effort, works. They work together. I believe that's what changes a person's life. You can say, oh, I I want to be saved. I want to be healed. I want to be delivered. I want all things. That's great. I want you to want all those things. I want you to get to the place where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. You've come to the end of yourself. But now that it has happened, what are you going to do now? I've literally had somebody say to me, I got my ticket into heaven. I don't have to do anything. I'm just waiting for the ride. Needless to say, that person, when catastrophe came into his life, fell away from the Lord denounced him and denied him in his reprobate. We need to get fired up, and that fire comes from the Holy Spirit that is fed and fueled by the love that we got from him in our salvation, the love that he gave us to give to others. John thirteen thirty four and 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you love, if you have love for one another. See, love leads to care, love leads to concern, love leads to compassion. Compassion is another accelerant of the Holy Spirit fire. I have never met anybody that moved in the fullness of the gifts in however the Holy Spirit dispensed them to that person who didn't have great compassion. Almost every miracle in the Bible attributed to the Lord. Somewhere within the scripture before or the few before or even the ones right after, he was moved to compassion. He was moved by compassion. He was heartfelt compassion for that person at that moment inspired the miracle. You know, the law said you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's great. And we need to do that. That is 
what you could call the royal law. But then, as James pointed out, but if your brother and sister's naked or has no food and you don't do anything for them, how, does, how is the love of God in you? The love of God inspires us to do more. When I read that thing about our brothers and sisters in Africa, I immediately stopped to pray. I immediately began to weep. I immediately began to petition the throne for their safety, for their safe return, for the Lord to send angels. I don't want to interfere with anything he's doing. I don't want to interfere with the inspiration of evangelism in that area, but I asked him to protect his children. That's the fire I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. What's the point of having these gifts? So you want to put on a little show? You want to go somewhere where somebody puts on a little power show? What is the point of that? Unless people are getting saved, healed, and delivered, there's no reason. There's no reason for the Spirit to do it. This justification that James is talking about is not justification to God, but it's to the world. It's to other people. He means your faith has been proven. It's been proved. You are Yeshua approved. There's the stamp. But it comes through faith and not from ourselves. It comes through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Is that not one of the things listed from the Spirit? Is that not one of the gifts and also one of the fruit? Is that not a byproduct of the presence of the Holy Spirit? Walking in the Spirit, as we've been talking about now for months, means staying fired up to serve Him, to be about our Father's business, to serve in the kingdom of God. Part of my frustration and my current delay of the blessings, delay of departure to go do what I've been called to do is that frustration. I want to go rescue the sheep. I want to chase down the wolves. I want to go take the lamb out of the lion's mouth. I want to see people saved, healed, and delivered. Some in my own family, people that I know. I want to show people that have been sitting in a zombie church that there is life that is, there, there is miraculous, supernatural life, and they've never been told. They've been caught up in tradition and a religious ritual and false teaching that have told them the miracles don't happen anymore. Really? Really? Even as a baby Christian, he allowed me to participate in miracles, people being healed, of a, of a man on the verge of alcohol poisoning, about to die, knowing his body was shutting down, prophesying over him that he would, not, that he would live and would not die. And I'm, they dragged him in our house, and we went about praise and worship. And I looked, I've told you this story, but it is a, a, it is a seminal moment in, in my work with the Lord, that in the middle of praise and worship off of CDs shown up on a bed sheet, the Lord healed him in our kitchen. And he went on to have a life, and he went on to get remarried, and he went on to work, work many years and, and got back into society. Why? Because I believed that the Lord was able. I believed that the Holy Spirit was present. We went to minister to the homeless. I went into many places. I ministered to many people, laid hands on people, cast out demons, prophesied over them, spoke over them, closed portals. I've done many things in these years of ministry with the Lord to know that I know that I know. The power of the living God is still present. It's still available if you want it. If you're willing to love the lost, if you're willing to have compassion in your heart for them and to do something about it. See, the book of Acts Church, they began that way. We need to get fired up. We need to live out Romans twelve six through 8, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. If, if you highlight, if you mark Romans 12, verse 6, 
highlight. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Highlight, teach, exhort, give, lead, be merciful, be cheerful. That's what the presence of the Holy Spirit does. In the book of Acts Church, when they were empowered on Pentecost, they immediately put those things into place, even without knowing exactly what they were. They didn't have 1 Corinthians 12 at that point by Paul to lay it all out. They just knew that there was a fire in their bones, that there was something going on inside of them. They needed to lay hands on people. They needed to cast out demons. They needed to go out and tell people the good news. They needed to do what he said to do. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Holy Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Adonai, the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation, the works, the tangible, visible manifestations of the Holy Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But the one and same Holy Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. See, when that love is there, when that compassion is there, when that calling is there, the the gifts of revelation will be there. The mind gifts, the word of wisdom, the supernatural revelation or insight into the divine will and purpose of God and showing people how a problem that they have may be solved by divine revelation. There's the word of knowledge, the supernatural revelation of divine knowledge or insight to the divine mind, will, or plan for them by the living God and the plans for others that that person could not know. The discerning of spirits, supernatural revelation, or insight into the realm of spirits to detect whether they're of God and to know what they're doing. Then there are the gifts of inspiration, the vocal gifts, prophecy, tongues, the interpretation of tongues, the ability to, through miraculous divine utterance, not conceived by human thought or reasoning, to edify people and to exhort them and to comfort them, the supernatural utterance of languages which are not known to the speaker, or the supernatural ability to speak in a language that's of a heavenly nature. It has no natural source. And then we get to the working gifts, the gifts of power, faith, healing, miracles, getting beyond human doubt and unbelief and reasoning to have the faith to believe that he will do it, the supernatural power to heal all manners of sicknesses without human aid or medicine, and the miracles, the supernatural power to intervene in the ordinary course of nature and even at times to counteract the natural laws if necessary. So everybody wants all that. Everybody wants the show, but they don't want the other things. You see, because all of that is going to produce love and joy and peace and long-suffering kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Everybody wants the power. They want the show. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how many people, well, I want to heal people like you do. I want to cast out demons like you do. I want to be able to speak in tongues and prophesy. How about you want to love the unlovable? How about you want to go places may stink, maybe dangerous, maybe things there are thousands of years old that depending upon the strength of your underwear, you may not get out of there without being soiled. I'm not joking. I've watched knees buckle. I've watched people about to get sick because they were in the presence of something that was possibly thousands, maybe millions of years old. I don't know. 
They want the show, but they don't want to go. They don't want to pay the price. See, love is a price. It is. To love the unlovable is a price. To find joy and peace in it. To be patient and long-suffering. Some people can try that gift to its extreme. But you got to hold on and let the Spirit fill you. To have kindness, goodness, to be faithful, and to be gentle. I've seen so many people in all the years I've been doing this, almost 31, that have no gentleness, they have no self-control, and they don't love people. You have to love people. All the gifts of the spirits were recorded in the lives of the believers in the book of Acts Church. Tongues, healings, miracles, prophecy, knowledge, wisdom, faith, discernment, they were all there. Miraculous deliverances, the impartation of the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands, the imparting of spiritual gifts to others, to be immune from poisons, to raise the dead, they, they were all there. See, the book of Acts Church, they, they didn't have any seminaries, they didn't have any seminars, they didn't have anybody to teach them except for the Holy Spirit who did it through them. The best teaching I've learned is by doing. You're going to fail, you're going to mess up, you're going to come up short, but experiential knowledge starts you in the search for intellectual knowledge, but it's always ruled by the Spirit. Acts 5.12, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all in one accord in Solomon's porch. See, that was where the name for this came. Originally, when we started the church, the home church in uh, home fellowship in Tallahassee, in our family room, I called it the Jerusalem Fellowship based upon this. And then when that grew and changed, it became Solomon's Porch. The idea was signs and wonders, feeding, healing, taking care of one another, caring about one another. But then as I was working on all this and getting ready to share this with you, the Lord led me into something that will definitely become a part of the teaching in July. Genesis 1 talks that God created things, gave them life, both animal, plant, and of course Adam and Eve, and that those things would produce, reproduce after its own kind, according to its own kind, occurs ten times in Genesis 1, referring to vegetation and all living creatures, because God is a God of order and decency, and his creation is orderly and perpetuates itself within his established laws. Now, how does that happen? It happens because the DNA in all living things, all natural things, plant or animal, allows it to reproduce itself. The cellular structure that he created allows it, with the DNA programming, to reproduce itself. Well, that applies to our spiritual DNA as well. We have a spiritual DNA. The Holy Spirit, since the day of Pentecost, has been reproducing himself in born-again believers so that they could do the same as those that came before them. That's why those that say the gifts died do not understand creation. They do not understand our Heavenly Father or his Holy Spirit. As long as the Spirit is present, he's reproducing himself. The fruit and the gifts continue. Sorry, what a break. So the Holy Spirit since the day of Pentecost, that's why I say the fire still falls. Because when each believer gets spirit-filled, 
the Holy Spirit is replicating itself. The church is replicating itself. Would not would it not make sense from the enemy's mindset is that he would have to interfere with that DNA structure. He would have to corrupt it. He would have to interrupt it. And the church, by the enemy, was seduced into turning down the fire and eventually turning it off. Putting it out. Because as long as the Holy Spirit is present, as long as the Ruach HaKodesh from the throne room, which proceeds from the Father, is present, it will reproduce that same fire over and over and over. And many people who call themselves believers have been tricked, seduced, manipulated into sitting down and doing nothing by the enemy, by false teaching, and people that have been seduced and deceived by the enemy. Worse than that, yes, it does get worse. They've been tricked into self-centeredness and to non-compassion for the lost or the dying, for those that struggle in bondages or make mistakes. You see, if we are of the Holy Spirit's DNA, love is going to be present. Love for God, love for the Lord, love for each other, love for others, and compassion will always be present. For the lost, for the dying, for those that are in demonic bondage, for those that are are in sin or, or false teachings, what fuels us and keeps us fired up is not to condemn them, not to criticize them, not to reject them, but to restore them. Otherwise, the enemy gets them. Maybe because I came out of demonic bondage, maybe because the enemy did what he did to me, I have always been fixated on interrupting with his plans. I've always had compassion for people like me. And like the Lord, I don't have a whole lot of compassion for religious leaders like the Pharisees and the Sadducees who are supposed to know better, who pimp the gospel, do profit from the gospel, but do nothing for no one but themselves and teach and preach a false teaching and a lie from the enemy himself. But you know what? If you've been listening to me for years, you know that's a pet peeve of mine. It still is, but I don't have time for it. Something's coming, something big, something dark. As the Ray Bradbury story said, something wicked this way comes. And the only thing that's going to interrupt it, the only thing that's going to change it is light and the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of the Lord in those people that stand up to it. Even the persecuted believers in sub-Saharan Africa They're losing their lives. They're being burned out of homes and fellowship halls. They are being tortured. But you know what the flames of persecution have done? It has fired them up. The gospel is being preached. People are not denying him. People are getting saved. The darkness is losing. Yes, they're being slaughtered. Yes, they're being martyred for their faith, but the darkness is losing. Hasatan and the fallen, they know their time is coming. And as our global brothers and sisters go through the fire, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they know who's waiting in the flames for them and will stand with them. And they're walking in faith. That's what I'm talking about. I don't know when it will come to America, but I believe it will. The war is on right now in this nation to remove God. Well, we did that many years ago. We're not. This nation doesn't belong to the Lord. We can say that all we want, but as long as we kill the amount of babies we kill every day, as long as we promote, support, and encourage corruption and debauchery and the behavior that's going on in our politics, in our media, in our schools— But there is a remnant. There is a resistance rising up. In World War II, the Nazis rolled over Europe in something called Blitzkrieg. As the the armies either quit or got rolled over by this Nazi demonic machine, do you know what slowed things down for the Allies to get there? The resistance. 
regular everyday people with guns and rifles and weapons that came from their homes and their farms. And what they did is they interrupted Blitzkrieg. As one part of Blitzkrieg rolled through, it took a while for the second wave to come. And they would get in between and cause havoc between the two and, and be like a like a gnat and buzzing in their ear and stinging them. And then finally the Allies showed up. Folks, we're the resistance. The remnant is the resistance. We're going to rise up. We're going to interfere with the enemy's doing. We're going to get people saved, healed, and delivered. We're going to stand against the powers of darkness. We're going to limit their access to to specific areas. We're going to redirect them into the direction the Lord wants to take them. He wants to bring them to a meeting in Armageddon. And he's going to split the sky and say, well, I've got your attention That's what's going on. If you don't understand, that's what's going on. So, Father, let your children understand. Open their eyes. Let them see. More than that, open their hearts. Soften their hearts right now, Lord. Soften the chains and the bondages of the past and heal their wounds. And let them know what you need them to do. I'm praying right now each and every one of us, Lord, would begin to pray for our brothers and sisters, would begin to intercede for one another, begin to intercede for those that are being tormented and attacked and confusion and harm and emotional bondages, demonic bondages, drug bondages, broken marriage, all the things the enemy's doing, Lord. That we would say, Holy Spirit, who do you want me to pray for today? Well, since I don't know what to say and I don't know who they are, Holy Spirit, you speak through me, through groanings, through heavenly language. Begin to pray that the angels would go to minister to them and protect them. Father, right now, let your fire that's inside of us rise up. We've just thrown the word Onto that fire, we've thrown the oil of your joy, the oil of joy, onto the fire. Let the fuel come up, Lord. Let our wicks be trimmed. Let us be ready for the arrival of the bridegroom. Pave the way, Lord. Clear the path. Give us the provision. Change our lives. We are struggling in this fallen world. I don't know about my brothers and sisters. But I long for paradise with you. But I know that there's a job to do. I know that there are people to save, to heal, to deliver. But I long for the day when I see you face to face. And you wrap your arms around my neck, as I've seen in my head so many times, and say, welcome home, son. Good job. Touch us, spirit. Touch us. Please. We know you're inside of us. Soften our hearts. Clear our minds. Let us do what you call us to do. Lay hands on the sick. Tell them the good news about a man named Yeshua. They might know him as Jesus, who died on a cross for their sins who paid a price that they could never pay so that they could be restored to their Heavenly Father. They could have reconciliation and spend eternity with Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're about to do. And I just pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Folks, this is serious stuff. And I'm not talking about the message. I'm talking about what we've been called to do. This is serious stuff. That's why I'm so passionate about that Saturday in July. Because I believe 
either before, during, or after that weekend, something is going to become clearly apparent that this is what we have prepared for. I hope I see you there. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grundus from the porch on Firefall Talk Radio.